Hello, and welcome to Business Talk, presented by Business West and Living Local. Hi, I'm Chris Kellogg from the Kellogg Crew Morning Show on 94.7 WMAS, and here is your host for this episode of Business Talk. He's the editor and associate publisher of Business West. Here's George O'Brien. Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. Uh, my guest today is Sandra Doran. She is the president of Baypath University. Uh, she just recently came to the university over the summer. Uh, this is, as you know, a very different time for the world in general and higher education in particular. Uh, Sandy, how are you this morning? Good morning. I'm very well. How about you, George? I'm good. We have a lot to talk about today, so we can get right to it. Uh, start by telling you, how is the semester going? Obviously, it's not a semester like most, but uh, mostly uh, online, remote learning there at Bay Path, is it? So it's a combination, and our semester is going terrifically. You know, we began back in July uh, with a plan, and our plan was based around our problem-solving uh, playbook, is what I would say. So for every problem that we approach here at the university, we begin Um, By establishing some guiding principles, we then create a working task force. We then uh, create a diversity, a continuum of possible solutions. We ask questions, we collect data, we formulate the plan, and then we create a plan B. And that's exactly, George, what we did in this case. We created our guiding principles around the health and well-being of our faculty, staff, and students. We created an institutional-wide task force of over 75 members of our community from all walks of, uh, of the institution. Uh, we developed a continuum of options, the, the same options you've probably seen some other universities consider, all the way do I, from- Do I dare ask what plan B was? <laughs> oh, well, plan, plan, so our current plan is we have our first year students on campus and our graduate students in their clinicals. And so we thought it was critical to have our first year students here because with our population of high Pell eligible, now this is traditional students again, and first generation, we felt it was absolutely critical from a learning uh, perspective that they be on campus. You know, many of them have never, uh, in their families, they don't have a history of going to college. And so stepping foot on a college campus, uh, living in a dorm, participating in college life, uh, which is a little bit different as we know, uh, we thought was absolutely critical. On the graduate side, in order for students to continue their academic progress in many of our health science professions, they must continue with clinicals and practicums And so we made the decisions based on the needs of individual populations um, that some students would be on campus and some students would not. Plan B is that if uh, if we need to switch to completely online, uh, we will be prepared because George, as you know, we've been a leader in online education for over 20 years. And so that investment that we've made in the online student experience, the investment that the faculty have made in terms of learning to teach online, um, you know, could be very critical. To support that, we made the decision to give every first year student a laptop. Absolutely critical that they have the tools to learn as well as the ambition. Okay, 
But we're going to get more into some of this later, especially how COVID is impacting not just BayPath, but higher education in general. But first, uh, I want you to introduce yourself to our listeners a little. Uh, you are replacing uh, well, a legendary. You're replacing Carol Leary. Kind of like replacing Bill Belichick in a way. If I wouldn't want to be the next coach of a New England Patriots, you had no qualms about being the next president of Baypath University. Uh, tell the listeners uh, why uh, this opportunity at this particular time for you. So Baypath, as we know, uh, thanks to Carol's leadership, the leadership of the board, the you know all of our constituencies here, our community, our faculty, staff is legendary in this region for developing innovative and pioneering programs. So that reputation, that reputation of our faculty and staff, our leadership of being willing uh, to look at new ways of doing things, to exploring leading edge programs, to thinking again, 20 years ago about online, um, makes Baypath such an attractive place for every employee that's here as well as for our faculty that serve here, our students that attend here, and of course our board that helps guide us. So Baypath has this reputation, which we are going to foster and leverage and, and continue of being that place where innovation thrives, where we're not just looking to survive during this pandemic, we're gonna continue to thrive by looking at cutting edge programs, by continuing uh, so many of our models that we know work so well. Mm -hmm. When we talked earlier in the summer, uh, you were you were talking about COVID as being a challenge, but but also a, a real opportunity for the school to step up and move uh -huh. forward. So, uh, again, tell us a little about yourself. Uh, you're you're not just an educator, but you're you're a lawyer. Uh, we won't hold that against you in any I, way, shape, or form. I yeah. am. Thank you. Uh, um, although doctor, it is. Tell yes. us about uh, how you've melded those two careers together, education and the law. Well, thank you so much. My family has a deep history in both education and the law. My great-grandfather was a lawyer during the Depression. And so uh, while I never met him, his, um, his work was, is legendary in our family. So the way he helped people uh, through the Depression uh, bartering in exchange for services and just educating people on financial options during, you know, uh, arguably one of the greatest crises of uh, this century or the previous century, I should say. Now that we're into a new century, we're, we're facing our own uh, challenges, as you've identified in terms of the COVID. Uh, in addition, I come from a great line of educators. My great-grandfather uh, and grandmother moved from the East Coast, New York City, to Colorado to begin a one-room schoolhouse uh, in the early, uh, the early stages of the last century. In addition, my grandfather was the superintendent of um, a large school district in, uh, in the Hudson Valley, that part of the world. My mother is a music teacher, was a music teacher until she retired. So I have a long uh, history of education. And George, I would argue that great lawyers are also great educators because it's understanding, right? Um, what, what the options are, synthesizing the data, being a good communicator uh, are all critical to both professions. Absolutely. I have a lot of friends who are lawyers. I'm, I'm sure they do very well with what they're doing. And, and like you said, uh, critical thinking uh, that's involved in both education and the law. So, um, 
Speaking of critical thinking, uh, you come to Bay Pass at a time, um, it was already a challenging time for education, even before COVID. Uh, this is not uh, like most times, uh, high school graduating classes are getting smaller. There's a lot more pressure on universities and colleges to provide value and to justify the expense. Of this, this was a real challenging time even before COVID. Talk about that a little bit. Right. So um, when I think about COVID, what I think about is all the rules are changing in higher education and COVID has simply accelerated those. So we leaders in higher education, uh, and, uh, along with business leaders, have the opportunity really to write the next chapter for higher education, for students, for uh, best practices in terms of learning. You're right. Higher education has been challenged over the last uh, decade or two around many of these initiatives that we're seeing and challenges that we're seeing only accelerate by virtue of the COVID. One thing that's been critically important to Baypath and which we are going to continue to focus on is diversifying our revenue, absolutely critical. So we have several populations here that we, uh, that we help educate. So we've got the more traditional undergraduate student, I would say 17 to, to 22, uh, enrollment is very solid with that population. We have women who are returning to college, who want to further their careers, who want to finish their degrees, who want additional education in order either to enter the marketplace, the workforce, or to continue their education. Those programs are delivered online through our high quality uh, soul model, which has, uh, you know, based in science, based in pedagogy, funded by the federal government, so that is our second revenue stream. And then we have our graduate programs, you know, primarily in the health sciences, uh, in other leading edge programs such as cybersecurity, forensics, all of these areas that we are seeing develop in terms of needs of business. So we have several revenue streams. We bolster those by conversations with employers because our mission is focused on enabling young women, uh, women returning to the workforce, men and women in our graduate programs, and creating additional opportunities for them to be successful in their careers. Now, you say that COVID is accelerating the process. It is. And, and much of the focus is on remote learning versus traditional on-campus, in-person learning, and what the model might look like moving forward. And then We've got a real argument going, not an argument, a discussion going on about exactly what higher education is moving forward and, and what it needs to look like. What do you see higher education looking like years down the road, perhaps because of COVID or in addition to having COVID being part of the mix? And what is it going to take to succeed in that new landscape, that new environment, if you will? That was a long question, but uh, I'm sure you... Right, and a very complex question, as you know. There's so many dynamics and complexities to the business of higher education. Um, but frankly, it all needs to be boiled down to what is in the best interest of the student. And I believe that is going to become more of the focus over the next um, few years and beyond. 
one of the things that we're observing as a long-lasting impact of the virus that has helped to accelerate our thinking is there's one word I would use, which is flexibility. What we have come to understand in greater detail is the needs of our student community. And as we talked about a few minutes ago, you know, we've got these several populations that we're looking to attract, to educate, to foster career development. And what we're realizing, George, is they have more in common uh, than not. You know, they are all dedicated to careers. They are all resilient. They are all balancing multiple priorities. So our student learning experience is going to Yes, be individualized. Yes, be data-driven. But now we have the ability to take best practices from all across programs, all across the institution, and think about those in new ways. We need to provide a more flexible learning environment from our, for our students. And frankly, that flexibility uh, also carries over to our faculty and staff. Mm. So, there will be a more flexible higher education environment, which will serve all our populations, faculty, staff, and students in a more robust way as we consider how to create that and, and foster and continue to develop a unique online experience. Now, George, you might remember we're a women's college. Mm-hmm. And so that is our, a real differentiator for us in the marketplace. We're able to focus differently on the journey of women from education through careers. You know, there was an article in Forbes a couple of weeks ago that talked about the impact of the pandemic on jobs and job loss. And it was staggering. According to this article, 11.9 million women lost their jobs between March 15th and June 30th. I think mm. I've got those dates approximately right. At the same time, 9 million men lost their jobs for a staggering overall total of more than 20 million jobs lost in just under four months. The critical part of that for me is more than 25% more women lost their jobs than mm-hmm. men. So this has really created an urgency for us here at the college, You know, thinking about how can we provide uh, more opportunities for that career um, education to career continuum. And so thinking about COVID, going back to your original question, I think about flexibility and I think about that continuum, that ecosystem. And how can we be the model for that ecosystem here in our region? And I think we've got huge opportunities to come together and be that national model. Okay. This is Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. Uh, My guest today is Sandra Doran. She is the president of Bay Path University. We are talking about COVID and education and how education might change in the future, there are some who are talking about how COVID has presented a case that online education uh, is not just a part of education, it, it can be education. That you know, We don't need to have these large campuses and dorms anymore, we just need online education. And that in this world, the cost of education will come down, it will become more accessible. Uh, there are people who are 
basically presenting this argument and saying this is the future of education. How important is that in-person, on-campus part of this equation? And, and can we possibly have a future where all the higher education is online? A very complex question. I would say a good part of the response depends on the program. So yes, there are some programs that can be delivered more effectively online because you can bring in worldwide voices. So for example, I can conceive of a course where faculty from across the nation, indeed across the world, bring their expertise to an online environment in a way that's not possible, frankly, in a place-based course. So we could develop a course where a professor at the London School of Economics or uh, somebody in Hong Kong, an expert in you know, this history, that history, can all come together for the benefit of students that would not be available in a place-based uh, course. I can also argue that much of what we do is relationship-based. And so even as we look to uh, developing a stronger online model, all of us, it will still require a relational piece to it. And so how do we maximize that relational piece? And, and that's where I would say our online programs really excel. We've got this award-winning soul model, as you know, um, but what distinguishes it is this very relational piece that I'm, I'm alluding to. So we have human intervention. We have virtual learning communities. We have wraparound supports. So I would posit that the future looks more hybrid, perhaps, than one or the other. And this is where this opportunity, I assume, comes in. But Baypath, you and I were talking in the summer. It, a lot of schools had to flip the switch in the middle of March, in the middle of spring break last year, and go from operating in person to online. And a lot of them needed help. And, and a lot of people dialed that number at Baypath. Uh, are, they, are they still doing that? Or right. So we were we're very proud. We were selected to be one of twenty schools uh, from a national consortium you know, through demonstrations of our high quality uh, programming, through our student supports, uh, we had to provide accessibility requirements, we had to talk about outcomes. Um, and this is where our depth of knowledge and our deep understanding of predictive analytics and adaptive technologies and data-driven programming that really came into play. So we were chosen as one of 20 nationwide uh, by an organization called Acadium, A-C-A-D-E-U-M, uh, to provide online opportunities for other institutions. So it's a very elite group. We're proud, we're proud to be part of it. And we think, frankly, that consortiums, partnerships, George, some of the things that we talked about over the fall, you know, really will help to define the student experience going forward. So whether it's partnerships between institutions, partnerships between institution employers, partnerships between communities and institutions, 
And frankly, that's something Baypath has done really well over the years. We're just looking mm-hmm. uh, to leverage that and take it to the next level. Okay. We just got a minute left. Uh, I know it's only October, but uh, what what does it look like for the spring? Are more of the same? Are you putting uh, plans A, B, and C together, or is that uh, uh, our plan A is working? So we've got students who are very uh, willing. We we all signed a social compact before we returned to campus, which you know talks about the principles. You know, we'll take care of each other. We'll be mindful of each other's health and wellness. And if you walk on our campus, you'll see all of our staff, faculty, students wearing masks, socially distant. Uh, we gave all of our first-year students Bay Path chairs, uh, sort of those stadium chairs that you know about. And, you know, they're sitting outside, enjoying classes, enjoying each other, but doing it in a way uh, that maintains good standards. Our spring will look very much like our fall. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, very insightful. Uh, it's a it's that old Chinese saying, may you live in interesting times uh, in higher education. These are certainly interesting times. Uh, we wish you the best through these. It's a real challenge. Uh, good luck to you. Well, and, thank you very much. It's been a joy to talk with you, George. Okay. Thank you. And, and thank you for listening in, everybody. This has been Business Talk, a podcast presented by Business West in partnership with Living Local. This is George O'Brien, the editor of Business West Magazine. We will see you next time. Thank you.